0: Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loan's created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully. So you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com forward slash full. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today, we're talking energy and industrials. It is uh, Thursday, the 12th of April. We're going to be checking on a couple of former wrecks. I'm your host, Sarah Priestley, and joining me on Skype uh, from the West Coast. Is it sunny on the West Coast?
1: You know, it actually is today. It's not going to be that warm. It's just going to be in the 60s. But um, yeah, it's really sunny today.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's Jason Hall, uh, as you all may recognize, who is an um, all-around nice guy and Motley Fool contributor. So, Jason, thank you very much for making time for me today.
1: I love coming on. any time. you know that. I'm happy to come on. It's fun.
0: Well, one thing I just wanted to tell the listeners about before we start is that the Motley Fool has a competition for college students, and it's open to anybody 18 years or older in the U.S. who's attending college. The first prize is $10,000, and there are 20 runners-up prizes of $1,000. It closes very soon, at the end of April, so if you want to apply or know someone who should, then definitely get to it soon. Uh, terms and conditions apply. Please visit www.fool.com forward slash competition for more details. Jason, do you know a college kid who could use $10,000? Or an adult. I,
1: actually, I actually know several college kids who could use that one. You know, I'm going to tweet out about this as soon as we get off. I always forget about this every year. I need to tweet about it.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And um, we've, uh, you know, people always think that these things get inundated, but I can tell you with the insider knowledge that uh, there's plenty of opportunity if if people are reading between the lines. <laughs> so um, we'll get right to it. But the first company we wanted to talk about is uh, MV5. And that ticket yep. is uh, NVEE. So, Jason, you pitched this stock on our uh, show on the 19th of October, and it was part of our Pitcher Stock Week, um, where we got some uh, multiple contributors to tell us about stocks that they're watching. mv um, 5 is a small founder-led engineering infrastructure company. They provide uh, consulting services to public and private sector in the U.S. and abroad. Um, they're kind of small compared with a lot of the mega caps that we tend to talk about on the show. Uh, their market cap is $634 million. Uh, Last year, they generated $333 million in total revenue. So, here's an excerpt from your comments. I'm definitely paraphrasing you <laughs> uh, from the show in October. You said, um, the U.S. needs to spend about $800 billion a year on infrastructure modernization and competitive investment. Globally, it's a $3 trillion industry um, and it needs a company that designs that designs projects and manages projects. So, uh, very compelling pitch when you did it. The stock was expensive, um, but a lot of growth potential. So, what's kind of happened in the in between time?
1: Well, I, I let's let's be honest. I look like a complete buffoon. <laughs> Uh, for, no, for, no, not For the two and a half months following the recommendation, and it's it's really it's it's interesting because it's a reminder of, you know, some of the things we talked about. This this was a very small company. It's a small cap. Small cap stocks tend to be. Actually, this is a micro cap. I mean, it's you know six hundred million dollar company. Um, at, at one point by by mid late February, um, I think the market capitalization had dropped to like four hundred and thirty million dollars, wow. and the stock just plummeted. But market caps can do that or um, small cap stocks, micro cap stocks can can do that very, very quickly and often on no news. So and that was the really interesting thing that was compelling for me in the in the months that followed, because now you fast forward to today and the stock is sixty two dollars. It's at an all time high based on price. But we talked about valuation, you know, back in October Mm -hmm. And it was like 35 times earnings, somewhere around there, I think, is, is what we said it was. And um, it's, chi- it's actually the stock price is higher today, but on an earnings valuation basis, it's actually cheaper today than it was when we talked about it before. And uh, the thesis for the business, which you know, we talk about the thesis a little bit, you know, there's kind of two prongs of what make this an exciting um, opportunity. Number one is all of the investments that need to be made in modernization in the United States, and on a global basis, you know, it's you know the, the trillions of dollars that need to be spent, um, especially as the urban middle class uh, grows. You know, mm-hmm. over the next couple decades, the urban middle class around the world is going to grow by like a billion people. So, think about all the the water infrastructure and the highways and the ports and the bridges and the telecom infrastructure and all of these things that have to be built just to support a billion more people living in cities. Um, it's a huge. I mean, it's it's really it's a huge um, opportunity for a lot of companies, uh, so where n v five fits into that is number one just that the dollars that's spent it should be able to capture a significant amount over time uh, in organic growth, uh, but the key thing that's going to be driving that um, over time is acquisitions, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really hard way to grow, um, but um, the CEO of the company, the founder, has a really long track record you know twenty five plus years uh, in the engineering industry of, of acquiring other, um, you know, engineering and, and and consulting companies in this business and building a bigger business. So if you think about in the U.S. alone, there are like 130, 140,000 engineering firms. So there are lots and lots of these small companies and a lot of them are specialized. So by bringing them into um, a single company, um, NV5 is able to add geographical um, scope, it's able to add or scale. it's able to add additional scope since a lot of these companies are specialized. Uh, and then it's able to uh, drive a lot of the costs out through the back end through having a single um, you know, back-end system. Uh, it's able to cross-sell since the company will offer more than just that one specialized engineering service. Uh, so it, uh, there's a lot of really compelling things about it. Um, mm-hmm. But really what it gets back to for me is the owner is the, the management. Uh, you know the the this, the executives own close to 30 percent of the company. Um, that's you know so there's a lot of alignment with shareholders. Um, the thesis hasn't changed. You know the companies continue to perform well. Earnings have grown significantly, as you can see by you know how much the the the, the valuation has improved. Um, so yeah. All right. Well, Great time
0: to buy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, it's, it's kind of not all bad news and I, I like that, um, you know, it's something that we're very keen on here is being transparent about picks that we made and how they performed. Uh, so to recap, this stock I think is an, is an excellent practice, but it, it's, if anything, it's good news because it's like you said, the valuation has improved, the thesis mm-hmm. hasn't really changed and you mentioned these acquisitions that the company's made. Um, they bought Marin and Associates, which is an environmental services firm in Albuquerque, in New Mexico, uh, in about September of last year. They're already seeing the benefit of uh, that acquisition. go Utility Design is another purchase that they made um, in kind of for technical resource in the utility and energy projects. So all mm-hmm. of all of these kind of incremental additions um, are really helping to expand their repertoire. Um, and you can you can see that they they. Uh, Did some work on trans. Oh, they've had some wins with the Trans Canada pipeline, um, which if people listen to this regularly, they'll know. Like we're pretty bullish here on on kind of pipelines generally, and energy infrastructure is a growing uh, subsector of the market. So, so really, it's paying off for them. And uh, I was reading the earnings transcript before the show, uh, and the CEO. I'm sorry, I cannot remember his name.
1: It's Uh, it's a mouthful. Um,
0: Is it's, it Dickerson-Wright?
1: Dickerson-Wright. Dickerson-Wright.
0: Excellent. Uh, so he said, our MA pipeline remains solid. We continue to be active but selective with targets that will add growth to all of our service verticals. He says, I feel confident that our organic growth and growth through acquisitions have us on schedule to achieve our goal of $600 million in the run rate revenues by the end of 2020. So he's really expecting this phenomenal growth um, to be powered both organically and through acquisition. And I think, like you said, there's just so much, uh, such a big opportunity for consolidation and the benefits that that can bring in the industry. Uh, that this seems like a quite a smart move.
1: Yeah, I like it. And again, I think I, I think it's worth it's worth mentioning again that anyone who in, invests in, in a company like this, especially because of its small size has to be prepared to invest for the long run because there can be extreme unpredictability in, in the stock price volatility within a few months as we've as we've seen uh, but as long as the business continues to perform well um, you know up to up to you know and the thesis remains sound uh, these are the exactly the kind of stocks that can just absolutely crush the market in terms of long-term performance
0: mm-hmm. and uh, there is some obviously negativity around infrastructure spending. Uh, President Trump announced the, I think it was like $1.2 trillion that he hopes to generate through both a mix of government spending and private sector spending. But people are, you know, hesitant, nervous, have their own opinions about that. But what remains is that infra- infrastructure spending is inevitable in the U.S. and abroad, um, right. both in terms of kind of new projects. And <laughs> eventually, we will be forced to <laughs> Actually, pay some attention to existing roads and bridges, and uh, water infrastructure, and all those wonderful things.
1: Right, right. And circling circling back to management, um, because we've we've been hearing about you know the need for infrastructure spending in the U.S. and modernization for decades. At this point, this isn't something that just popped up this election cycle. This has Mm -hmm. been talked about for years and years. Um, So having. A management team in place. You know, and a lot of the executives that work with with Wright have worked with him at the company prior that he founded, uh, and the company before that that he worked at. So there's that that ex, that vast experience in working through the cycles, because there are ups and downs of the spending cycle mm-hmm. of any of any major industry. But having a team that knows how to navigate those different cycles, it can be invaluable. Mm-hmm. So there's there's even more to it than just they own a lot of the company, and they've got this great growth thesis um, and the strategy. But there's also this benefit of, of they know how to navigate through the industry, and that's really, really important.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I would say if you kind of like uh, the industry, if you like the company, now is a great time to buy the P. Trailing 12-month P is 26. Ford P is 19. Incredibly competitive compared to average P's that we're seeing in the market right now.
1: Yeah, especially for a hyper-growth stock. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about that one, <laughs> Jason, actually. Uh, so, I'm, I'm pretty bullish. Uh, I like the recommendation a lot. Uh, so we're going to talk about another wreck um, that Jason and I have discussed on the show previously, but before I do, I want to thank our sponsor for today's show. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. With Rocket Mortgage, you can apply simply and understand fully, so you can mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com forward slash full. That's rocketmortgage.com forward slash full. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, and MLS consumeraccess.org number 3030. So we're going to be talking about Patton Energy Group, and we discussed Pattern in a show on utilities on the 9th of November last year. And it was kind of Part of a broader discussion we were having on utility companies generally, um, you know, our premise was that hey, this is seen as a really boring market. <laughs> um, so we discussed the nuances of the utilities market. Uh, you know, most of these are stable, dividend-paying, government-sanctioned monopolies, and it's a defensive industry that's heavily regulated. So it attracts a lot of income investors and a lot of people pay- placing kind of pensions and retirement uh, allocations there too. So. The other thing that we touched on was the rise of independent power providers and lots of other uh you know good stuff around that but today I just want to recap on one of those uh you pitch pattern for the future of utilities mm-hmm. um and for anyone who's listening or new to the show that didn't catch the previous episode, can you just recap for us a little bit on what pattern does
1: yeah um patterns you know another there, there are actually some similarities with with um with n v five some things that i like it's it's you know uh a pretty decent amount of, of you know, founder-led ownership uh, with, the, with the CEO of the company. Uh, so the short version is that Pattern has focused on uh, wind energy, uh, wind projects, and their name Pattern actually comes from uh, years of scientific research looking at wind patterns and that sort of thing to really leverage that, that wind resource to generate the best return. Um, based on where they build the farms and that sort of thing. And uh, the short version is that the the things that that have have kind of drew me to pattern is it's really, I think, as the name of the show that we, 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 the episode we did was, is, you know, the future of of, of utilities, is that it's an independent uh, energy producer. So basically what they do is they they build and invest in these wind farms and they sell the power to utilities. Uh, So over time, I think we're going to see more of that where there are more companies like pattern they're actually generating the electricity and then selling it to the the either, either a utility or user um, and the utilities kind of just become the the lines you know that connects connect everybody from the producer to the user um, and uh, the thing that's driving uh, so much for pattern is just the costs of production are falling for 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 wind uh, mm-hmm. the turbines are getting cheaper they're getting more efficient so their costs of producing wind power are coming down, uh, and that's even as the production credits are, you know, gradually reducing in coming years. The federal tax credits they get for for power production. Uh, but the other the other part of it that I like about pattern is they they had started talking, you know, almost a year ago about, you know, sp- kind of spreading uh, beyond just wind and looking at solar, some solar projects, and also looking at storage, battery storage, uh, which is uh, just like solar and and wind uh, uh, technology is getting far far cheaper, and this and 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 storage has the ability to kind of unlock the true potential of wind and solar when the wind isn't blowing and when the sun isn't shining to still be able to have captured that really cheap electricity and still be able to utilize it to mm-hmm. further you know outcompete uh, more expensive nuclear and and natural gas and those sorts of things.
0: Absolutely, and and I've you know I've t- a bit of a broken record. I've talked about this before, but battery, yeah, harnessing that renewable uh, energy is really going to be what unlocks, I think, the potential uh, around a lot of this solar and wind technology. Um, Taylor and I last week uh, mentioned that uh, last year in twenty seventeen, I think in March, California paid Arizona to take electricity from their solar farms for about fourteen days, um, mm-hmm. and really it kind of raises two questions around this. Uh, model where the renewable renewable uh, energy creators are selling their power onto the grid. It's that kind of exchange or that negotiation that's going to happen with traditional utilities. And right. then storage, you know, if, if they could have saved those 14 days <laughs> for less sunny days in uh, winter, perhaps that would have been a more effective use of that power. But um, just kind of fascinating on the side questions, but it's definitely great to see pattern diversifying into these regions.
1: Absolutely, uh, and the the other thing too, you're talking about the diversification uh, pat, pattern is not just is not just looking at doing different kinds of of, of technologies and renewables, uh, but geographically they're also very diverse. Uh, they operate in the U.S. They also have significant operations in Canada. One of their largest financial partners is a Canadian uh, government retirement system, which is a major investor mm-hmm. in renewable projects. Um, so. You know so this one of the you know one of the concerns over the past really since the end of the year is that there was uh so so let me before I say that, let me say this one of the ma- major funding mechanisms for wind projects um is tax equity investing so if you think about a large company that may have a really large uh, tax exposure uh, because they're highly profitable in in whatever they happen to do um you look at you look at um Wind, especially, uh, wind, has access to two different kinds of of taxes. It has a a production tax credit, and also there is a tax credit for the actual equipment, you know, investing in the equipment itself. So as part of the tax, uh, lowered corporate tax rate that was passed by the federal government at the end of the year, uh, there's some new rules called the Base Erosion Anti-Abuse Tax. So the acronym is BEAT, which is horrible, but it's it's (laughs) typical. Uh, so the provision in the bill is, um, and this is, this is from Pattern's CEO in a letter in December. Uh, he said that, th- that they expect this bill will narrow the pool of potential tax equity investors. Uh, and then that would likely delay some projects to start the year um, while these different organizations analyze the provision and determine if it would prevent them from being able to take advantage of the tax, tax equity investing. I think that's scared a lot of investors um, away from a lot of these independent energy companies and yieldcos that that use tax equity uh, investing to raise a lot of capital. And that's corresponded with interest rates rising at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, issuing, um, you know, notes and other types of of debt has also become a little more expensive because interest rates have gone up. The stock as the stock price has fallen, um, the yield has shot up it's over nine percent now, which is you know incredibly high and it's within the it's within the range of what the company can afford to pay but the issue is that the company can't just issue a ton of stock to raise capital, paying a nine percent yield mm-hmm. and get any kind of rate of return on that so so the, the risk is the company being trapped in a situation where it can't access capital through debt, and it has to cut the dividend to issue stock to use that capital at, at, an, at an effective rate of return. So that's kind of where things are with, with Pattern right now and why I think investors should be a little bit cautious. But I still think in terms of the long-term opportunity, it remains incredibly strong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With that said, Pattern has a lot of geographic exposure outside of the U.S., like we talked about with Canada. You know, it's it's a, one of its major investing partners is is a Canadian retirement um, uh, fund, and you know those are Canadian assets. They're generally going to use to fund that money with. Um, it has large assets in Puerto Rico. Uh, it just um, uh, just um, put its first uh, Japanese wind farm into service. So there's a lot of geographic exposure to to other markets that have completely different incentives than what's happening in the U.S. So. I think that's that gives it a lot of optionality and, and makes it a lot stronger than it may feel based on how much the stock price has fallen based on these on these on these concerns.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a lot of US centric activity and a lot of US based mm-hmm. uh stockholders I'm sure but yeah as you what? said they they so they didn't raise didn't up their dividend. and um, That's the first time that they haven't done that for 16 quarters. You know, management right. was discussing that this was a very difficult decision for them, which for any, like you said, any of these uh, yield codes, it, it is because it's such a part, it's such an intrinsic part of people's thesis. But this is kind of a golden goose where you get potentially a lot of growth and um, consistent income. Um, right. And you kind of can't expect to have that without some uh, sort of hiccups along the way. But um yeah, interesting to see them getting squeezed on both sides with the interest rates going up and then the the tax reform. Um, obviously, such a capital-intensive industry uh, for implementing wind farms and and any kind of renewable and, and utility, conventional utility, mm-hmm. is such mm-hmm. heavily re- uh, reliant on debt. But you also really like uh, the leadership, similarly with uh, MV5 here. It's Michael Garland has got 20 years' experience in the business
1: yeah and and actually before before um, he came to the private sector and started building you know and, and working on the development side of these projects um, he worked he worked for the government um, in um, on kind of the regulatory side mm-hmm. so this is someone again who those are invaluable experiences in terms of knowing how to navigate the markets, again navigate the debt cycles navigate. Um, changes in regulation. Um, it's its incredibly valuable. So uh, the, the other part of it, too, uh, is Patterns. Um, it's really more of a kind of a sister company than a parent company. Mm-hmm. Um, Pattern Energy LLC, which is a project developer. It's privately held. Um, it owns a small stake in Pattern Energy, the publicly traded company. Uh, but their main business is developing and and financing and selling off um, these uh, large renewable projects, and not actually running them. Mm. And Pattern Energy, the company we're talking about, you know, is involved in actually running and operating these 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 projects and collecting the cash flows, you know, like a utility. So, so but but anyway, the the, the point is that the Pattern Energy, the development company, um, has this massive pipeline of projects and Pattern Energy, the company that we invest in has the ability to work directly with, with, with the sister company to, to, to pick and choose which projects it wants to invest in. So that pipeline is incredibly valuable with the caveat that in, in, in the short term, you know, there's some questions about access to financing and, and, and kind of how that's going to play out. But having an experienced CEO with a lot of history and expertise in navigating you know this industry should prove to be really invaluable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, just to recap, so when we first spoke, spoke about this stock, it was up um 18% at that point uh, in 2017 and the company had price to earnings ratio of 61. The stock's now uh down 17% year to date, but it's a bit during 2017 was up 13%, its production was up 14%. They have the majority of their electricity is sold under these power sale agreements with long contract lives. So I... Like 20
1: plus years yes. long. I mean, these are, yeah, 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 long term.
0: So I absolutely agree with you that um, there definitely seems like there's still potential here um, given the diversification of their both kind of their activities and their, the regions that they're operating in. Uh, people, you described it as getting spooked um, and I would agree with you it's a slight overreaction to some of the recent news.
1: Right, right, absolutely. So I think... To, to Just to add on to that, it's, um, it's not for no reason. I think it's definitely an overreaction, mm-hmm. but there is some risk. Again, I think the, the worst case scenario, I think, is the company has to put a freeze on nearly all of, its, all of its expansion because it has trouble accessing capital, and it would be forced to cut the dividend to raise capital by issuing stock. Uh, it wouldn't be cutting the dividend because it couldn't afford the dividend, but literally it had no other way to generate the capital that it needed to invest in, in projects. So I think anyone that invests in the company should just go into it with, with understanding that from a cash flow perspective, I think the dividend's relatively secure, but it's more of a financial mechanism perspective that worst case scenario, the dividend could be cut because of the need to use stock to raise capital, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, doesn't change my personal thesis in terms of the long-term prospects, but for anyone who's looking at this as, hey, it's a 9% yield. I'll get paid. Yes. I'm just going to buy this stock. Be, just be careful and be, be, be conscious of, of the dividend as being a little bit in play based mm-hmm. on that over the next probably years.
0: So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that's it from us today. Is there anything you want to add, Jason?
1: Yeah, one, just on pattern energy, one other thing I would I would want to add is because it is investing so much in really expensive stuff and, and it's capital investments, um, gap earnings aren't necessarily the best way to value the company because its depreciation and amortization mm-hmm. uh, numbers are going to continue to grow, and those are you know from a from a quarter to quarter basis those are non cash. Which obviously, they're based on the massive amounts of debt that it's issuing to buy all of these wind farms and to build the infrastructure to support them. But it's a really good idea to also look at just cash flows. So a couple of numbers that, that, that management will talk about and that you can read in the, in the earnings releases are, the, are FFO, funds from operations, um, which is a cash flow metric that um, removes depreciation and amortization so it's more of a here's a, how much the cash, is a, cash flow is actually being generated by the, by the business. And those, those assets, because those wind farms you know are going to be good for 30 years. And the lines and the infrastructure that they build to connect them to the grid are going to be v- valuable for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, the depreciation and amortization is eventually they have to be replaced, but, but not in five years or seven years. Um, FFO is a good number to use as a metric for valuation mm-hmm. and also cash available for distribution, which is a metric yes. that talks about the, the dividend and, and cash that's generated to be able to, to support the dividend payment. So those are two metrics that you should always look at when valuing the company and also understanding its cash flows from a, how secure is the dividend and how safe is the company's cash flows. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really about it for for pattern that I would add.
0: OK, perfect. Well, uh, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. Always a pleasure. Um, that's it from us today. If you would like to get in touch, please feel free to email us at industryfocus@full.com, or tweet us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thank you to Austin Morgan for producing the show today. For Jason, I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening and for on.